What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019. What's up, guys? My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by the winner of the BFF Championship, Miss Natalie Zamudio. What up, Double G? Happy um, Tuesday. Yep, yep. <laughs> That took me a second. <laughs> um, we, do, we usually yeah, we do it later in the week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, happy to uh, to be BFF champion and um, can't wait to get it. I mean, you're talking about it, but I haven't seen my belt yet. So. I mean, it's kind of like Dana White's belt. They're st- we're still working on it. We're still designing and, you Is know, it anything close to value of $50,000 like he says this one is? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's more than 50 cents. Okay. <laughs> as long as there's a five zero in there. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, of course, who else would it go to here on MMA Daily? Um, no, nah, but it's good. Okay, this one kind of hit me by surprise. It is no longer summer. That makes me a little sad. What about you? You know what? Yeah, I was watching, I think it was yesterday, they added like on the morning weather the fall leaves graphic to the weather report. I was like, Oh damn. Okay. (laughs) The good news is that we live in Southern California and that doesn't really matter because it's still 80 degrees. So now, you know, it's cool. Um, I live in a community where usually we have a very festive Halloween, you know, a lot of people get into it. So that's kind of nice. We get to that part of the year where people start decorating houses. So, you know, that's something respectfully doesn't happen in the summer. So th- there's some stuff to enjoy. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, per- I don't know if you know this, but for me, summer is like my season. I always have work wise and personal life. I feel like I have always had a very successful summer. That is just where I get ahead in life overall. So every time it's over, I'm like, ah, you know. But um, I had a very good summer with two UFCs and a lot of other stuff. So I am happy with it. I feel like our show has been only getting better. So it's good. I feel like we're in a nice, good transition to just push through. And now we begin the, the fall season in the world of MMA. Yeah, we got good stuff coming up too, so... It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Plus, I, I really feel like technically our summer isn't over until after this week because I feel like this is that, you know, the that final button on the, on the summer MMA season. I feel like this one is just right there. It's in Southern California. It's going to be hot all week. So we'll be talking about Bellator LA, obviously, and all the action going on. But there's so much to talk about. We're in a good mood, so I almost feel bad having to start with this segment, but it's obviously the top story. UFC Mexico, Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens. By now, everybody's seen the clip. Everyone knows what happened. 15 seconds in, Yair lands the accidental eye poke, leads to the fight being called off after that long period. Um, Natalie, unfortunate, that's a given. Um, they didn't really have a fight. That's a given. Herb Dean gave the most amount of time possible to Jeremy, but the fact is, it wasn't going to get better. That's obvious. My question to start it off, 
your thoughts on the fan behavior that we witnessed after after the call was made. Yeah, man, that was pretty severe, and it happened so fast. That's what that's what shocked me. Because as soon as the fight was called, the fans started hurling bottles into the octagon, and that's where the camera was, right? So we only see things landing. But I wish they could have flipped the camera around to to show like how many people had something in their hand ready to throw it, uh, which was was really surprising to me. Like, especially it made me think they must not charge a lot for beer in that arena because I don't think I would be throwing my $16 beer at anybody. This is <laughs> um, an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> so either that or they really just, you know, they don't care. Um, I feel bad for the fighters that got, that got doused. Jeremy Stevens was well protected, but we heard Carlos Farza say she got a beer dumped on her and that sucks. Um, you know, I, I, side note, I know we're not, going to talk about it in detail, but I did think she actually won the fight. I thought she won rounds one and two. I understand why the fans got upset, but this reaction, eh, it's just a bummer, man. It's a bummer because the fan, the fighters don't deserve to be like trap. Like literally you're throwing garbage on them. And then, and then it's like beer. So, and then popcorn. Like I saw one lady like hurl her bucket of popcorn at Stevens and the crew that was, that was escorting him. It just sucks, and it's like you're already walking out of there injured, feeling like crap, and then you got that. Like, it's a bit humiliating and demoralizing, but, you know, you probably just, if you're someone like Stevens, you shake it off, and you know you didn't do anything wrong, and, and that's it. That's all you can do. Yeah, to me, um, I, I tried to look at, at it from every side. I think that you got to really, lo- really look at the context. Um, one, uh you and I have been around it. You know as well as I do, UFC tickets are not cheap. And if I paid and my main event ended like that, I would be very livid. Especially when you consider that, you know, Mexico is not a market that gets a UFC event several times a year or something like that. You know, this is a once a year kind of stop where fans can, you know, relatively easily for the area get there. So that. So you have that context. You have the Alexa Grasso thing that, quite frankly, Alexa Grasso had a fantastic performance. Um, uh, I felt I was I was more on the fence. I feel like that one, you know, could have gone Grasso's way, but I understand it was one of those fights. But you just had that happen. Um, not for nothing, but you know, a couple of the other Mexican fighters on the card did not. You know, it wasn't a clean sweep for them. You have to take into account that this is the main event. Respectfully, people have had all night to get a little inebriated, if we're being honest. Yeah. All of that together, and then you have that happen. Um, I understand emotions riding high. That being said, you're talking about a fighter who everybody knows just spent six weeks out of his own, you know, paid for it out of his own pocket to train in Mexico in Jeremy Stevens. Yair Rodriguez, you know. Uh, he's your hometown guy. He j- it's a freak accident. I understand being livid, but that is no excuse. And once again, I understand the money and all that, but you're talking about a guy who's not known for quitting. I think, if anything, this is just a freak accident, and I- I- I'm just disappointed in the fans. Very bluntly, I'm just disappointed in the fans. Like everything you said, the fighters didn't deserve it um, across the board. It was just very despicable, and I was just very disappointed that 
That is how they express their displeasure. I know it's a freak accident. I know there's reason to be mad, but you took it out on exactly the worst person you could have. And I just don't think there's an excuse for that at the end of the day. Um, moving, you know, there was obviously a lot going on. One that has made the rounds, Michael Bisping and Brendan Fitzgerald. Um, I saw this and I feel like there was, you know, that quote, there are two kinds of people in this world. What were your thoughts on Michael and Brendan, how they handled their commentating duties in the moment? Uh, <laughs> yeah, initial reaction was just laughter. Um, you know, Brendan Fitzgerald, first off, he's really good. And and watching him grow into the role has been impressive. He's a new face when, you know, I think he started with the ESPN transition. I can't remember now. I think a uh, little, I think late last year, midway well, last year, he was in. And it took me a second to get used to him, but he's really good. He's, 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 uh, he's learned the sport. He's dedicated. He's smooth on the mic, nice transitions, a good partnership he's got going with, with Bisping. However, he's never going to be able to live this down. <laughs> it's, you better believe that Bisping is going to rip him every time they call a fight together, and it's going to be hilarious. Uh, he got legit scared. Credit to him for keeping the mic alive, right? He didn't stop talking, but, you know, it wasn't that serious, man, especially when you see <laughs> the little desk cam that captures the, the – so you see, you see Bisping's footage, right, which is the guy under – which is Fitzgerald under the desk. But when you see the desk cam capturing the, the the whole scene, like they weren't in any danger. There was nobody up there in their face, in their face. And and Bisping's like, no, man, I'm not going to hide. And he stands there and he like throws his arms a little bit, like to show he's ready to scrap if someone comes <laughs> at him. And this guy legitimately curls up under the table, keeps talking again, you know, props to him for that. But I love when Bisping in that cam footage, you know, it literally turns around and it's like, Oh, this guy's under the desk. Let me film him and embarrass him. Um, it's just hilarious. And, and Fitzgerald is going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. There are at least in LA here, there's a couple of funny videos on YouTube where the newscast, the local news gets caught on air during an earthquake. And there's this really funny one of this KTLA news guy who freaks out and drops under the desk and they are just making fun of him left and right. And that's going to happen to Fitzgerald too. You know, that's going to, that's going to be part of his highlight reel now. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a bad one to have cause it's just super funny. What, what did you think? I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. We only see the bottles that make it onto the camera. We don't know how full some of those were that were being tossed their way in the periphery that just didn't make it, you know, on on screen that we saw. We don't know his danger. That being said, people don't care about context. I would know. Oh, I've seen that stuff happen. But, you know, so I think that I, I'm with you. Unfortunately, you know, the level of danger will not be evident to back up Brendan when people look back at the clip. So that's just what happened. And then my people, I've heard this being talked about, oh, well, Brendan should have ju just stayed up there with Bisping. And then I'm like, okay, for one thing, people don't care about Bisping carrying a broadcast. He's there to be a personality. Um, different jobs. So unless they were about to cut the feed, Brendan still being on the air is a different story. 
That being said, you know Bisping was just trying to be an idiot and just like, all right, Mexico, I'm ready for you. I may be retired, but try throwing your pesos at me. You know, <laughs> I wasn't, um, I was like, okay, guys, you got to put it in context. Don't just, you know, go zero to a hundred on Brendan over that one. That's just unfair. But, um, yeah, when you watch the clip, like I said, it's like, there are two kinds of people in this world. That's going to be the caption that goes on it. And, um, look, Brendan... Don't let them get to you, man. If stuff is going at you, you look out for yourself. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But, um, yeah, I think you got to look at the whole context of it before you just, you know. It was just a weird night in MMA, and that was that was just it. Um, I want us to talk a little bit about the card. The Alexa Grasso, Carlos Sparza. There was a lot of fun knockouts. The uh, the spinning backfist one. I forget his name off the top of my head, but that clip made the rounds. Yeah, the guy with the Superman tattoos. Yup, flipping awesome. I loved that one. I replayed it a bunch of times Sunday. That one was good. So good action overall for Mexico. Obviously, the local guys didn't get the sweep they I'm sure they wanted. And, um, you know, that's tough. But at the end of the night, you had some good MMA action. So I'd say... You know, up until the main event, successful night of mixed martial arts. I want us to go back now because I think a big thing before we talk about the news is the aftermath. Everything that Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens have been talking about. Um, Jeremy says, you know, they, the doctor apparently says 180. I've talked with a bunch of fighters. They said that's all precautionary. A bunch of guys get long, quote, you know, like... Uh, not suspensions, but, you know, essentially like, hey, don't, you know, no contact. You can get a follow-up with a doctor after you've left the medicals, after you've left that. And you can have a professional doctor at the office clear, clear you if you're okay. Which I think is what's going to happen with Jeremy. He's not actually about to be gone, you know, four or five months, you know, on that one. That being said, you now have this thing that's been going on. Jeremy saying that Yair you know, confronted him at the hotel and accused him of, you know, lying and all that. You have Yair's reaction after the fight. It looks like he's trying to... At first, I thought he was trying to celebrate. And then I heard him say, well, I was trying to show my people, guys, I'm here for you. I'm ready to fight. I think that this whole thing has been escalated by Yair's reaction. And I think that, um, I'll be honest, it has not looked good for Yair. And I think that that's, um, I just don't even know what to make of it. But very bluntly, I would say that Yair accusing Jeremy Stevens in any way and being, you know, I, he said the right things in the scrum, but I feel like everything else we've been hearing, it's like, Yair, you poked him in the eye. Saying anything else accusing him is just a bad look from there, you know? And look, it's a freak accident. He didn't mean to do it. I'm not saying that. But I think to have that kind of action happen, I can understand why Jeremy Stevens is a little livid with Yair Rodriguez. And I want to toss it to you. What are your thoughts on all that as it's transpired in the last 48 hours or so? Yeah, I agree with, with being a little bit like confused by Yair's reaction. And, and you mentioned something that I was that caught my attention as well, which is, and at the onset of the fight being called, Yair like tries to climb the cage and he's pumping his fist. And I, 
You know, if I'm in the crowd, I think he's egging me on. That's what it looked like. You know, so confusing responses from Yair. He was he was like fuming. He was so frustrated. He was pacing that he was trying to calm himself and, and get into the Zen mode, but he couldn't do it. I think he just didn't have um, the emotional mm, maturity or intelligence to react in a in a way that would have maybe calmed the crowd down. Like if he had just gone on the mic and said, Hey everyone, please relax, you know, be respectful. He didn't do any of that. He was just really fired up. And that I think did contribute to the fans feeling free to continue with their trash, you know, their barrage of trash, <laughs> uh, onto the, onto the, onto Steven. So I was disappointed, but it's hard to, get into his mind at that moment. He knows all these people paid good money. He's in his hometown, all the prep he, he put into it. And he, you know, probably you're not probably you're, you know, you also want to fight like you built up your body and your mind to have this release and you don't get to have it. I still, um, I think he was kind of behaving a little bit like a child though. That's, that's just, you know, initially how it, how it looked. If you mute, the TV and, and watch his reactions. It, it doesn't look good. So maybe he'll learn uh, for the next time if something like this ever occurs again to, to use his platform wisely to help calm down the masses because I think they would have listened to him if he had asked them to, to chill out. No, I, I'm with you. I think that, um, and, and look, mind you, part of that, I'm going to give him a little benefit of the doubt. You're talking about a lot of emotions being high in that moment. As crazy as it is for Jeremy, Yair Rodriguez just stood there and watched all of that evaporate in front of his eyes in 15 seconds also. That's not an easy thing to um, process in this moment in front of thousands of people. Uh, who knows how many more thousands, close to a million overall at home watching on, on the app. So I get that part of it but once again he's had now had a lot of time you know i think the reaction is what escalated a lot of it and just that's part of this story now i would love for them to possibly get this fight onto ufc boston i think that would be the biggest you know just compromise and hopefully that's something that can happen if it does not happen i would be very disappointed because i feel like you know the only way I see this not happening is one of them denies the fight or Jeremy Zai, um, for his safety, rightfully so, needs a little more time. But if this is what were to happen and we don't get this fight for a while and both of them just don't get to compete, I think would be the biggest travesty because it's like now we've all just been, now we've all just lost and there was no making up for it. I think that would be the worst thing. Yeah, it was an exciting fight before we, we hit, you know, before the, the bell rang and they started uh, going at it for 15 seconds. But now it's a super exciting fight. And, and I, I didn't um, follow up on your comments, which are important about this sort of back and forth between now Yair and Stevens, where, yeah, Yair hasn't really seen come off as a sympathetic character in all of this because – he says, well, I guess it's like he's, he says, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And then there's always a but at the end. But I fought with my eye closed, you know, with against Frankie Edgar. Different circumstances, external damage versus an internal damage to the eye. 
And then, yeah, the story that Stevens is, is, is telling, which I believe that Yair went up to him and a seeming show of, you know, good sportsmanship and then started saying unsavory things that doesn't look good. And, and I guess we'll have to hear from Yair. I have a feeling that Stevens is right. That Yair is not going to want the fight if they re rebook it for Boston or anytime in the near future. But it is definitely the fight that we want to see. UFC wisely will uh, will do their best to make this fight happen because now everyone's interested. I mean, I'll say this. The reaction of the crowd throwing, uh, you know, throwing stuff on Stevens made the news in such a way that my sister, who doesn't watch fighting at all, doesn't know anyone's name or anything, asked me what happened. So it's a big enough story now that that the UFC is going to is going to try to make this happen again for sure. Yeah, I agree. I feel like anything else like I said would just that would be a big miss very bluntly. Yeah. But yeah, you know, obviously we will find out. I think the big thing is, you know, how quickly can uh Jeremy get a doctor to say, "Yeah, it looks good." Which mind you may not happen today or tomorrow even if he goes into the doctor people. So you know, a little bit of patience now, but I do believe in the next week or so, he might have a doctor that say, oh yeah, you know, you're fine, you know, you should be good in about another five days or so, and you're clear to fight if you need to. So I think that that's what we're going to see, and um, I hope they get it together. I hope both guys stay in shape under the assumption that they're going to fight, and I'll leave it at that. Um, we have a packed show. I want us to hit everything we want, so... Let's go into MMA news. Dana White says DC versus uh, Stipe 3 is in the works. DC went on the Helwani show to reiterate as much and said that is going to be his last fight, which we can touch on that. But I think that this fight is awesome because now the bragging rights and just the legacy of both guys, it's so much bigger just because of those first two fights, Natalie. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that a trilogy, it really becomes a pick 'em fight. I feel like a lot of people maybe counted out Stipe after everything in the second one. I feel like DC in the first one, maybe people, you know, people were really riding the hype of Stipe's uh, a run at heavyweight. So now we have a very interesting fight. Let me ask you, what do you think about this one coming together? I'm excited. I think it's going to be a killer fight, guaranteed. Both guys have a lot to prove. DC, though, the pressure, I feel, is all on him, 100%. But I say props to him for painting himself into a corner, into this specific corner, saying, I want a rematch, and then I'm retiring, no matter what. That's a lot of pressure. But I, I, it takes guts to put yourself out there. But that's DC, man. He doesn't back away from a challenge. He loves competition. I respect that. The booking of this fight is clearly a gift from Dana White to, to DC, you know, with a pitch like like what he probably gave him. I, I suspect it was, hey, look, I'm going to retire, guaranteed. I want this fight. Let's do it. You know, they're one and one. It's, it's an easy, it's a no-brainer booking. So I'm super excited. Again, the pressure's on DC, but he, uh, he rises to the occasion. And now he's seen how how far Stipe can push himself. He's He knows all the ways that, you know, there's going to be new stuff. Obviously, they're going to have a new game plan for, for this third fight from Stipe's corner. But I think DC's seen enough now that he's going to be able to figure out 
how to beat Stipe, how not to let him, I should say, how to prevent him from taking the fight into those deeper waters. I think DC is going to, and he might have already, he might have said this, so I'm not making this up, but he's going to probably rely on his wrestling more than he did. It was weird to see him stay on his feet for so long. I think he thought that one or two more punches and he was going to have them. He's going to be a lot smarter this time around. Yeah, I think that um, when you talk about that, it's a, it's a case of if it's not broke, don't fix it. It was working for uh, 15 minutes. It just didn't work that last five of a 20-minute fight. So I think that that's all part of it. Um, I think that's a big story is that for DC, uh, he has, you know, Stipe has now officially flipped all of the pressure onto him. Every, you know, we talked about it. Stipe doesn't get this one. That entire layoff just looks... 10 times worse if he didn't get the W. Now, if you're DC, I mean, you know, I, I hate that it feels like it comes down to just one or two fights after such an impressive career, but we were talking about it. Oh, he's only ever lost to John Jones. And then it's like, well, now, you know, like he goes on to the Helwani show and this loss is so big that Helwani doesn't even talk to him about Jones. And that was like, freaking half the narrative in that last fight so yeah uh, that's that's, yeah that is how crazy you know the that's the business that's how these work because suddenly it's like well you know dc you know then they're talking about well if he hadn't gotten him in the first round would he won 25 minutes against stipe the first time and it's like all of that's crazy to me um but the fact is that is what it looks like that's the pressure he's on it's his last fight. I'm glad he came back. I feel like that just always made sense. I felt like he was never going to go out on that one. He was always going to try to come back for one more, whether it was Stipe, whether it was Jones, just to give it one more shot while he still got it. Um, it's a good fight. It's a pick'em fight. It. Um, I hope it comes together for December. That way, you know, 2020, we could just get all the new guys in there, rightfully so, but... This is the fight to make. Um, if you're Francis Ngannou, I get being livid also. Not UFC Mexico livid, but please, you know. <laughs> I, I understand if he's feeling a, a certain way right now, but this is just the fight to make, I feel like. And also, the Stipe Ngannou rematch, it should be an easy sell, but because of the nature of that first fight, it is still difficult. Um, before we move on, the question now... John Jones, people thought, well, he'll fight Stipe. Well, he's going to fight DC. Well, you know, suddenly, John Jones doesn't seem to have an opponent. Everyone from Jan Blahovich, Dominic Reyes, Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson, Chris Weidman, everybody is now booked. So let me ask you, what do you think is going to happen? Is it? Do you think unofficially he is now just waiting to see who's the best option between you know, Weidman, Reyes, and Anderson and Walker. Yeah, absolutely. I think whatever big news he was teasing, either it really was that Stipe fight that was that was being discussed, but then DC came in and, and proposed, made this like, you know, a deal made, I should say, Dana White an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, either that was the case or it was just a big tease to begin with and there was nothing behind it. So 100% now Jones is just going to have to wait until these guys resolve their fights and the contender pops up, and then he'll just go from there. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, look, there's going to be a bunch of fights, uh, I think just before uh, December, that it's like, hey, you know, 
someone will stand out who will be ready to go when all three play out with um, Jan Jokere also. I forgot to say in the last one. But yeah, I think that's the only option. Um, did we want to see John Jones one more time in December? Um, I would say yes, but also I'd like to put into context how active has he been? He fought, you know, essentially January, December 30th or something right there, New Year's Eve. He fought in March. He fought in July. Not getting one more John Jones appearance, I feel like fans can't be mad at that because he's been so active on his comeback. So, uh, you know, I think that a wait isn't exactly the worst thing if you're John Jones to get that big fight. You've now officially taken out the surging contenders that were the obvious suspects. And everyone's unanimously said, all these guys are still on the upswing. They're just not at the top of it quite yet. So I get that. Moving on to our next bit of news. Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky is official for, for UFC 245. So that is the second title fight on December 14th in Vegas with Jermaine Durandamy taking on Amanda Nunes. Holloway is obviously on that impressive now 13-fight win streak at 145. Obviously, his only loss coming to Dustin Poirier at lightweight earlier this year. Volkanovski, 17-fight win streak, 7 fights in UFC, and he's coming off that win over Jose Aldo in May. Natalie, we all knew this fight was going to happen. We just didn't know when. Um, let's revisit it for a second. What are your thoughts on the fight now that it's official for December? It's a great fight. Yeah, I can't wait to see what Volkanovski has in store for Max. I'm um, not worried, but Max has done a lot this year. And, and I, I guess my concern is maybe he's become a bit predictable. So it's his third fight since April, right? He's gone the distance in, in both the two fights this year. And then he fought Ortega in December. That was another long fight. Volkanovski's no joke. This is his big shot. He's going to come out, you know, with a game plan. The only thing is, you know, Max is is this such tall and lean figure in the 145 division. Volkanovski, even though everyone says that he, like, at one point weighed, like, 250 pounds playing rugby. <laughs> Um, he's sturdy and stocky, but, you know, he's going to be at a disadvantage height and reach-wise. I just don't know if I believe that personally. I've seen, I, like, photo, and he looks a lot bigger, but, man, that, that number is hard to believe. I, <laughs> you know, I can go back in time and put him on a scale, maybe, but, yeah. But go ahead, um, keep going on the fight. Yeah, no, yeah that, that's all it really is, is that he's, that would be, you know, without having, a, having gone in and, and broken the fight down just yet, uh, the the size disadvantage, but he's these these little guys that come at you with big swings and he's intelligent. You know, it's going to be a heck of a fight. But again, my concern, I guess it's a concern, is just Max has done a lot this year, and you know, is he still going to be have that fire? Absolutely, I think for me the big thing about Volkanovski going in, um, physically he's gifted. He's a powerful, stocky guy, like you just said. Um, his skills are no joke, and you can see that in his victories. Um, the big uh, factor is his composure that he showed in the fight with Jose Aldo in Rio de Janeiro, mind you. I feel like that was the biggest indicator that he was ready. And whether or not you think Jose Aldo had an off night or what have you, he still had to go out there and take on the King of Rio and, you know, stay composed in this fight. And mind you, Jose Aldo, you know, he's just as good 
as a Max Holloway, you know, respectfully. He is a legend. He, everyone going into that fight said he has still got it. He is not this old over the hill. No, he is still an elite level talent that Volkanovski had to get in there with. So that to me is the biggest indicator that he is ready for the fight and he's going to be a big challenge. Max, I think the weird thing about it is people, because of the weird circumstances, they would say, yes, he's vulnerable only if he's at 155. Like, you know, at 155, he's just a tough guy, but at 145, he's Superman right now. I get it, you know, and those things are, you know, not for nothing, but 145, he's still big and powerful. 155, maybe he lacks that extra pop. I think that it's hard to pick against Max Holloway because of the run he's been on, but I would argue that this is the closest fight he's going to have in a while. I would argue that because of the power of Volkanovski, it's even um, more dangerous than the fight with Frankie Edgar. And um, yeah, look, he's been busy. I do think that he gets this victory. That's kind of the sweep for him. Um. You could argue that Zabit needs a big one next year if he's going to get it. If it's going to be a Zombie or Yair or somebody else, they really do need some big performances. But if you're 145 Max Holloway, everybody, you know, it's kind of John Jones talking about the Johnny Walkers and Dominic Reyes. People kind of need to now elevate themselves to this level because he's kind of taking out the usual suspects. So. I think that's what makes this fight interesting. It's a great one to close out 145 at the end of the year, in my opinion. So it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be one of the closer featherweight fights than um, we've seen recently. And that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, it's great matchmaking and it makes sense for the division. So let them have it. It's a great Christmas gift. We'll yep. take it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's one. Oh, and by the way, you know, it's technically i know that there's we're going to talk about it right now in south korea a lot of people are going to see this as the new year's eve card the 245 um there's not going to be as much attention the week of christmas on south korea but so this one is kind of the last one to really you know close it out for ufc after that um i'm not really sure if bellator is having their uh I, you know they're doing the Hawaii show. I don't know if it's the same week or the week after, but I feel like that's, you know, it, it's weird how they're all going to stop right in time for the holidays. Usually you got a lot of cards, they just kind of go straight on through, but I think this one is, you know, after that, it's just a little bit of PFL, but really we're on vacation until late January is what we typically tend to see. Yeah. Moving on, there is that big fight that was just announced yesterday. Brian Ortega comes back to action for the first time in over a year to take on the Korean Zombie in South Korea. It is in December. Is on December twenty first. It is at uh, Busan, Busan in South Korea. I apologize for butchering it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's a lovely city with lovely people. Like I just said, it's the last UFC event of the year. Ortega is coming off that first loss of his career against Max. Z uh, Zombie is coming back after that uh, victory against Hinato Moicano earlier this year. Um, Natalie, the layoff for me on Ortega is the real intangible, but this is a great fight. What are your thoughts on this one? Super excited as well. Zombie is is a is a killer man. Like 
he was owning Yair. We talked about this last week, up until the very like last second, right? And that's all anyone talks about, and that's all they remember. But he was winning handily. He he came in and made a statement against Hinata Moicano. He didn't want to give anyone another, anyone else a chance to take him into deep waters and have that opportunity. Um, Ortega, as we know, is extremely durable. Apart from being super talented with jujitsu, his striking got a little bit exposed against someone like Max Holloway, right? But his chin certainly certainly withstood the uh, the onslaught. Although Max isn't necessarily a, a knockout puncher, but he's a volume puncher. And that was reflected, I think, in Ortega's face. Uh, so this is going to be a heck of a fight. But but yes, you're correct in pointing out Ortega's uh, you know intangible sort of uh, element in the conversation here, which is the layoff. You, if you heard his interview at in Mexico talking about all the changes he made, it was a little bit cryptic, even though he clearly identified there were changes and and people he needed to move out of his his orbit. But I'm still not entirely sure what he did. I don't know if you have any insight there. I couldn't tell if it was a management change or a coaching change. Um, but that's going to be another X factor. Like how much have these changes improved his mindset, his stand-up? Is it going to be maybe too much information in a, in a short amount of time that maybe he can't fully execute all of it in time for the zombie fight? I don't know. We'll see. He's, but he's been off for a year, so he's going to he's gonna want to, I think, finish this quickly. I don't think he wants a long fight either. So I bet he'll go to his jiu-jitsu more than we've seen him do in the last recent couple of fights where he wanted to stand and bang and show he could. But, you know, good luck because Zombie is tough. What do you think? You know, to me, the thing about these layoffs is there's obviously two things they've uh, they've done, right? They've gone to, let's say he's changed up his team or, you know, some of the work he does. Well, he's had nothing but a year to just kick back in the gym when he goes to work his kickboxing or what have you. Obviously, well, you know, no pressure to train for a specific style. Just go in there, add to the toolbox. Has he done that or has he just more been focusing on staying in shape? You know, all of that is the real key. What has he been up to, right? And either he's been putting in work, we're going to see some new wrinkles, or, you know, we're going to see him go back to the guy that was very successful, you know, that, but, you know, maybe a little more predictable after the Max Holloway fight. That's the real key. I think that um, uh, it sounded like it was a personal life thing. It may have been um, distractions. How those manifest themselves, you know, only he knows, but I feel like he's identified some of them and maybe he's tried to get them out, which is great, and I hope he has for his sake, and, you know, he's happier and everything's working better for him. He's a guy who is very popular, has a lot of upside. We know the UFC recognizes that. They gave him his Modelo commercial. Natalie, did you know that 14 years ago, Brian Ortega had a choice? <laughs> you know what i i caught wind of that but you know what's even more interesting there's another company that's using the same music for their commercial they just started doing it like two weeks ago or a week ago and it's really confusing i think that it was it's dolce and gabbana it's a cologne <laughs> for men and I think somebody in the advertising firm they hired didn't do the research because I'm literally seeing both commercials in the same break 
Comedy <laughs> Central. And so I hear the, oh, and I look up and it's not, it's not Brian Ortega and the choice he made 14 years ago. It's some, it's some dudes in Europe spraying each other with cologne. So that's a side note. Um, but yes, uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that is funny, man. We got it. That's I'm putting that on YouTube somewhere. That's funny. <laughs> um, no, but uh, okay, respectfully. So look, uh, the the big point is that what has he been working on? Uh, stylistically, let's say we have uh, the Brian Ortega who's coming off the knockout against Frankie Edgar against the Zombie. Fun matchup. Both of them durable. I think that the just straight knockout power goes to Ortega. That being said, Zombie can hurt you. Um, he does have the experience. He didn't earn that nickname for no reason. He is ridiculously hard to put away. Um, it's just a fun fight. And also, a Zombie's ground game, like you said, is no joke. I think that that could be the X factor in, you know, we could see some awesome transitions on the ground if it goes there. So they match up very well. I think that in terms of the rankings, they're a good fight. I think if you're Zombie, Ortega elevates you. If you're Ortega, a win over the zombie puts you back in the mix. Um, yeah. All together, great matchmaking. Um, the zombie at home in South Korea, what's not to like? I think it'll be a good way to close out the card. I'm sure they'll have plenty of local guys and a lot of exciting people there to support them. So I think it's going to be a good one. But I like it. I really do. Um, there's obviously, the, look, let's be honest, it's a ridiculous weekend in MMA. We're going to probably not go as in-depth as we could on everything, but there is the crazy Bellator Ireland. It's like that card in London a few months ago in June with the, oh, half of it is zone, Paramount, uh, Bellator app. I don't know how they're going to break it down. I hope that they just streamline it and you could just watch them on both. But the fact is they have two cards which are happening at the same time. And it's going to, you know, at the end of the day, you're just going to have one event. And it's going to play through, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, sequentially. That's going to have James Gallagher, Michael Venom Page, and Benson Henderson. So there's not going to be two events at the same time. It's just you may have to bounce around on your listings, if I'm not mistaken, to watch them. That's how I get it. Is that the impression you've gotten? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's strange, but they must know what they're doing. You know, they will, why go out of your way to make things confusing unless there's a reason? So I'm just going to trust that there is a good reason for it. And, uh, I mean, they're two strong fights. So, well, you know, I know the Gallagher one, his opponent was changed last minute. But it's he's still a huge name, and it's in Dublin. And then, you know, Bendo... And Miles Jerry coming from UFC, you know, it's, it's, they're good fights. So hopefully Bellator, in doing this for whatever reason that they did, has also gone out of their way to make it easy for fans to access both in a non-frustrating way. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it's going to get easier. And um, uh, look, that's a lot of just uh, TV rights and negotiations. They figure all that out over time only. That's the one thing about it. But I like it. It'll be good stuff. The weekend, obviously, though, really gets fired up on Saturday. Bellator has the bigger card, but we have to touch on it. UFC Copenhagen from Denmark. The middleweight clash, Jack Hermanson, Jared Cannonier. Go ahead and take this one. What are your thoughts on the fight? You know, uh, 
I'm I know it's going to be a good fight, but I don't have too much thoughts on too many thoughts on it because I kind of been a little bit focused on on the old Bellator fight card, which is very exciting to me. Um, but you got Hermanson; he's exciting, and uh, Jared Cannonier doesn't back down. He's super super tough, so it's going to be a good fight no matter what. But I actually don't have too much more to say that about about the main event. Gunnar Nelson's back, so that's cool. Yeah, a couple of, you know, actually, if I'm looking at the fight card right now, as I'm looking at it, um, probably the one I'm more excited about is just to see Khalil Roundtree because of how impressive he was in his last fight, coming out with that whole new style, having been in Thailand. So I'm actually really looking forward to see how he's, if he's improved and um, how he, how he, how he fights a pretty tough guy in Ian Kudalaba. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's going to be a very um uh I I just think that he's going to provide the desired action for sure. When you talk about Jared and Jack Hermanson, I think that this is a huge fight for both of them. You got to imagine that the winner of this one not for nothing, but if something happens to Paulo Costa, you're talking about the winner of this one challenging the winner of Whitaker not Asanya uh, sometime in 2020. That's not a small thing. I think that that's something that it, those are very real stakes. Or you know, we all we've all seen anything can happen. Interim titles. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody steps up. We we get that. The winner of this one is in a great spot in the middleweight division. Um, I think that it's very physicality versus style. I think that Jared Cannonier has improved uh, since we've seen him. Very powerful at 185. A lot of good power. Uh, physicality is going to look to push forward. Jack Hermanson, it's up to him to get in and out, find his spots, wear him down, try to cut away at that uh, explosiveness. Kicks, takedowns, uses grappling. I think that that's the key for Jack Hermanson. Um, Jared Cannonier, if you tell me that he's going to go out there and just um, push forward, land with that big power... I think that that's a very fair uh, prediction. I think it's a close fight. But I see Jack Hermanson figuring him out. I feel like he's aware of the situation. And I think he's just hitting his stride that I think that it's going to be um, Jack Hermanson by submission. He's not going to mess around with Jared's stand-up. What about you? Huh, tough one. Yeah, you're right. Hermanson's got some pretty uh, serious advantages on the ground. I hope it doesn't turn into like a little bit of a of a boring fight with you know Hermanson trying to get get it to the ground and Jared trying to keep it from going to the ground. But I don't know, man. I'm thinking I'm thinking Jared's going to be able to finish this with his hands, or at least I don't know. It's a tough one. I'm gonna pick Jared Cannonier, and I think he's gonna he's <laughs> I think he's gonna go TKO and uh, maybe like round three or something. Dun, dun, dun. It's kind of a prediction, but uh, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> All right, so we are split. Natalie has Jared. I'm going to go with the Joker, Jack Hermanson. We will get bragging rights next week when they play out. Let's go over. Let's go home to lovely Los Angeles, Bellator, LA. Let's start with the title fight because I feel like, respectfully, I feel like Leoto and Gegard is the people's main event. Let's uh, talk about Patricio Pitbull and Juan Archuleta first. Natalie, why don't you take it away? How do you see this one going out in the featherweight Grand Prix? This is a killer fight, man. You know, Pitbull's riding high off the double champ status, that big win over 
now I can't remember his name, Michael Chandler. Yep. Of course I remember his name, but my brain is, you know, pregnant women lose brain cells, just as a side note. Apparently that's part of what happens to preserve their maternal instinct. So just FYI. I feel like that's counterintuitive. No, wouldn't you want to be sharper as you got to protect your tummy? Uh, yeah, I would think so. But they want, I think the idea is that, you know, the, the brain should just be like way more focused on protecting the baby and not getting like distracted by like, you know, bigger, <laughs> bigger things like the names of fighters. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's my excuse for that flub. But um, in any case, he's riding high. Juan Archuleta asked for this fight. He aims to make a major statement, and it, it would be really cool. I'm not rooting for either guy, but it would be really cool to see in one of these Bellator tournaments, or I guess this one and the and the welterweight were the only opportunities for it to occur, where someone gets the belt halfway through or at the early stages of the of the tournament, and then has to defend. Like you know, someone takes the belt from the champ, has to defend it, and then it just makes things more exciting. So this is a great part of this storyline. And, um, you know, we're going to meet with them in the coming weeks. So I'm not prepared to make a prediction just yet, but it's a guaranteed barn burner for sure. Okay. You want to play close to the chest? I respect yeah. that. <laughs> You're afraid that uh, Pitbull might hear you say that I'm you hear your that show? Yep. And be like, oh, you picked him, huh? I you see did. how it is. Now, um, I think that the thing about this one is Archuleta's skills are fantastic. I feel like the power, very bluntly, the explosiveness is just on um, Pitbull's side over Archuleta. I think that he's a very capable fighter. I think both of them are well-rounded. I think that Archuleta comes from a great team. Um, I think that he is ready to step into the fire. That being said, the firepower just goes to Pitbull. I think that when he lands those kicks, when he gets those shots together, it's going to do the damage. And I think that, um, uh, you know, he's well-rounded. I think that if you're Archuleta, you just got to get in his face and you got to make this ugly, which he's very capable of doing. Um, you also got to add into it, Archuleta, he's still trying to get the 135 strap too. So he's a guy, you know, a lot of irons in the fire. But I do think that it's going to be a very uh, fun fight. I don't think either man goes away, no matter how this fight plays out. So I think that we are set for a long fight. And I think that's going to make it a lot of fun. So good stuff. Um, with the tournament, um, I think that the fact is you have, this, you have Pitbull and you have AJ McKee are the biggest dogs. Obviously, guys like Adam Borix are riding on their coattails, other guys like that, but that's going to be the two big names to beat. We know that they are going to pick their opponents and the draw um, after the fight, you know, when they're all doing the drawing, which I'm assuming is going to air uh, that night after the fights. They're just going to have everybody, and they're going to be like, all right, you pick, you pick, you pick, you pick, and that's just it, so... That's going to be very interesting if you ask me. I'm looking forward to seeing how they make that play out. But obviously we'll get a lot of other stuff done. Obviously AJ has Georgie Karakayan to deal with. And of course a lot of other fights on that card. Let's talk about the middleweight clash. Lyoto Machida, Gegard Musasi, Natalie, pick this one for me. Because I think <laughs> you have some very interesting thoughts here. Well, I love me some dragon. You know that. So... <laughs> So I'm excited just to see these two guys come together again. Leota looked excellent against Chael. 
Sonnen with those, you know, he jumping knees, flying knees. Gegard's coming off his loss, so eager to, to get back on the winning side. They both want gold, belt or gold. So it, it, for, to me, it means it could either be a super exciting fight or like a very steady chess match. You know, Lyoto has that karate, you know, obviously the karate style where he kind of leans back and waits and waits and then strikes like a viper. And uh, so, so either way, it's going to be pretty exciting, but, but the level of intensity and action is really 50-50 just, just because of what's on the line here. Uh, to me, the the fight, I think it comes down to can Gegard Mousasi um, be the aggressor early? I think he's got to make this dirty from the get-go. Compared to their first fight where um, Machida did exactly that to get the win, I think he was just faster, more accurate on the counters. Um, he just essentially, uh, you know, more accurate. I think that Mousasi now with three rounds, you get going quickly, you get going early. And that's the way you're going to get the job done. I think that um, Musasi identifies that. I think that he is hungry to erase the loss to Lovato Jr. Um, in this one. That being said, I really do think that Lyoto is a guy who doesn't look like he's missed a step. I think that stylistically, he's just a tough matchup for Musasi. And uh, that is what makes this fight interesting. I don't think this fight loses that much shine after Musasi's loss. You also got to keep in mind the winner of this one, they either get Lovato Jr. or they get Ryan Bader. And everybody knows it. And those are not small stakes. I think that if you're talking about the winner, uh, I don't. Machida 41, Musasi, he's talked about he's only got maybe two or three fights left anyway. This is not a small thing for either man to compete for the title at this stage. So I think that's something to keep in mind. It could, you know. That could play a factor into this one and just how big it is for both men. So I'm looking forward to that part of the fight. How do they treat it knowing that's what's on the line? That's what's going to make it interesting. But are we hiding our predictions still? No, we can go for, we can go for it. Let's just live a little. <laughs> All right. I mean, I've had Machida since this fight was announced personally. It's a close fight, but I think that stylistically he's just always been that kind of matchup for Musasi. How about you? Yeah, I got I got Leota by decision. Um, I don't think he'll I don't think he'll finish him, but um, and so I think he's going to outpoint him and, and get the judges on his side. And it's so much fun to know we're actually going to get to be there to get bragging rights in person live. We don't got to wait till the show. We get to rub it in each other's faces on Saturday night. It's so much good. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited. I can't wait to see these guys. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. So, yes, of course, if you guys haven't figured it out, both me and Natalie will be reporting live all week from Bellator. So make sure to look out for us on social media for all of the stuff. We'll have interviews. We'll have videos. We'll probably go on Instagram and get lunch, and you guys will see us get Chipotle or something. <laughs> all that silly stuff. So be on the lookout. Um, before we close out the show, Natalie, next week it is finally here. My favorite fight of 2019, Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya. I am excited. I have been scoping out how I'm going to watch this fight. I'm making sure that I don't work in the evening so I can enjoy it. I'm ready to talk about this fight. I've been saying it's going to be the most exciting fight of 2019. So I'm going to let you try to top that and tell me why you're excited about the middleweight championship next week. For me, it comes down to, okay, they're amazing fighters, both of them. So different, so skilled. 
But I just love the storyline of Australia and New Zealand. They're fighting in Australia at the stadium where, where Holly Holm like shocked the world and beat Ronda Rousey. You know, it's called something different now. It's like the Marvel Stadium or something, which is a very cool, cool branding for a stadium. But but that bigger storyline is is what gets me extra excited. So can't wait. Can't wait to, to break this stuff down. And uh, I mean, yeah, man, heck of a fight, like killer fight. Also, the clash of personalities, that is going to be so much fun all week. I think they've been saving some good stuff for this one. So I'm excited. You know I'm going to have all the stuff to talk about. But yes, all week, check out for us at Bellator Los Angeles. I'm sure you will see us in the background of a lot of videos and stuff, which is always cool. Natalie, where can the fans find you on social media? I am uh, on Twitter at NatalieZamudio underscore. And my website is called thestraightpunch.com. Guys, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.